ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome to another episode of Bad Jew. With me today is one of the hottest figures in the Jewish world. Aliza Ben Shalom has taken audiences by storm with Netflix's Jewish matchmaking. Aliza is here on Bad Jew. Aliza, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for giving a little old me a chance to speak with a wonderful person like you. I got to ask you, okay? Uh, I was listening to Matchmaker, Matchmaker. How do you do the voice? The podcast. <laughs> the podcast, yeah. You have a podcast called Matchmaker, Matchmaker, right? Can you do the voice? With Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He he started doing a little shtick with like, oh, welcome, welcome. We're so excited you're here. We, we really want to help you with the matchmaking. He started doing a whole shtick, started speaking with this accent. And all of a sudden, whatever he was saying, I was saying, and the same thing's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it was very funny. And then whatever, we're, we're in the process of maybe like changing it up and doing a normal one. But I'm so glad you asked about it because, yeah, it's really funny. Well, I like the Eastern European accent. It's great. Eliza. One of the right of entries for Bad Jew is to tell your life story in four minutes. That is the Bad Jew challenge. Are okay. you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put on my timer. I'm ready. I got, I got your timer right here, okay? Okay, good. Ready? shalosh. Okay. I was born and raised. I'm going to give you all the secrets. I actually haven't done this on an interview, so this is for you. Yes. I was born and raised Lisa Beth Kaplan. That was my given name. And uh, Lisa Beth was my Lisa. I went by Lisa. In Hebrew, I was also born and given the name Aliza Bracha. Aliza means joy. Bracha means blessings. As you can tell, that's kind of my personality, joyful blessings. And I grew up in Philadelphia, born and raised Jew ish grew up i'm going to call it conservative we loved our judaism we were jews by heart but by practice we were more like high holiday jews and somewhere in my mid-20s i went to a retreat and i fell in love with judaism now i had always done usy bbyo hillel i was president of this the whole thing social club you name it i was i was all over being a leader in jewish circles and in my mid-20s i went to this retreat and i came back and i was like oh my gosh, I love Judaism. Shabbos, Shabbat, it's the meaning of life. I don't know what all the rules are. I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure this out and I'm in. That was in my mid-20s. And from that point, I flipped my life. I decided to, I did the top four, Aliza's top four, keeping kosher, dressing modestly, prayer, and wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, kosher, modesty, Prayer. There's a fourth one there. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling the rush of the four minutes, and it's like ah. my brain is fast. Fila. Mm -hmm. We'll figure it out. We can edit this out if you need. Sh oh, Shabbat, Shabbat, oh, Shabbat. holidays. Oh, Hello. Okay. So that from that minute forward, I'm like, that's it. I'm keeping Shabbos, and I'm doing all these other things, and I'm going to figure the rest out. Any of my clothes that are not appropriate for a modestly dressed woman, I return my jeans. I buy skirts. I buy longer tops. You know, covering collarbones, elbows, and knees. I figured the whole thing out, and I start learning about prayer. I start praying. I start connecting to God. I start doing Shabbos, and I love it. And when you do that, even if you're just trying it on for size. They're like, oh, you're orthodox. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm accidentally orthodox. Yes. You can call me the accidentally orthodox Jew. Oops. I don't know. I wasn't trying to be orthodox. I was just trying to 
live my Judaism. I always loved my Judaism, but I was ready to actually live my Judaism. And at the same time, I was thinking it'd be a good idea to go to Israel and go learn. So I had this big plan in September, I'm going to go learn in Israel. And my mom was like, oh my gosh, like, don't go to Israel. It's, it's so far. And so just stay here. And, you know, they're always fighting over there. She had all of these reasons. And I was like, okay, I don't want to make a Jewish mother crazy. In September, I'm going to do something really big. And then I'd be like, I'm going to Israel. Don't tell my mother. <laughs> that was my big secret. <laughs> and several months. So this is February of 2002. So in terms of timeline, by May of 2002, I, my husband and I had met in February 2002. We were at a Jewish retreat. That was when I made that big decision. I come back to Philadelphia. He's also from Philadelphia. And we're both dating other people. We break up with the people we're dating. And we start to date each other. And we get engaged after three weeks. He'll tell you it's two weeks. It's three weeks. And I, uh, we get married four months later. We are now married 20 years. We have five kids, a dog. We made Aliyah two years ago, and I am now on a Netflix show, wow. <laughs> living my dream, doing everything I've ever wanted to do with Judaism, with love, and with life. And I know somebody else is listed as the happiest human in the world, but they are wrong because it's me. Done. It's her. Boom. Look at that. Oh, and you me. used up that time perfectly. You used that up to the T. Great <laughs> job, Aliza. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I'm curious, at what point did you realize that you had the gift to be able to intuitively see who is right for who? Oh, so interesting. So from, listen, so I grew up secular. So I, we hung out boys and girls together, you know, even in, I don't know, sixth grade, it was like, oh, you want to go to the dance with so-and-so? He likes you. You like him. Like, how do you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I'm telling them the other one likes the other one. Meantime, I know nobody's willing to admit it. I'm watching the whole thing happen. And for me, like you said, it was intuitive. I saw it happening and it was clear as day to me. It was like you could walk outside and be like, oh, there's a blue sky. And somebody else would go, really? I don't see it. Does, is it a gray day? And you're like, no, it's blue. Can't you see it's blue? Doesn't everybody see it's blue? Right. I didn't know that it was a gift. I actually thought all the things about that I knew in the world, I thought they were kind of normal and that everybody also knows these things as well. Like everybody can, I'm going to call it like read a face and understand what's behind mm -hmm. people. And then I learned that that's not true. <laughs> I keep testing people because I keep not believing that. I'm like, no, of course you, you know, these things also. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. How, right. how, how do you know that? I'm like, well, I see it. They're like, what do you see? And I then I have to explain what I see, which is really I mean, like, and then I read people, so to speak, like I can give you a, a, like, okay, can we, can we take, can we do this live? I don't know you this, like, I really just met you. You didn't yeah. even tell me anything about you. Okay. But from my perception, you seem like an extremely curious human. You have a thirst for uh, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding things and people in life. And you probably also have a little bit of a thirst for truth. Like you really want to know what's behind things and you want to understand the inner workings. You're not just satisfied that things happen, but like you're curious about things like that. And um, you've got a vibe. You've got like a good um, – energy, a good passion where you're like a change maker. You're like somebody that's going to do something in the world. And you're not just satisfied to be one of those humans that sits back and is like, okay, whatever happens to me in life, I'm going to go with the flow. Like you're going to actually make your path and make your way. Is, is all of that ish true? I mean, I don't know you. 
that you actually hit the nail on the head. I got to say that was that was actually pretty good. I, yeah. I, I got to say, I, I definitely uh, don't settle. And, um, um, you know, my, you know, my religious journey began in July of last year, which is what inspired this podcast, okay. you know, really got okay. ignited. We have a big parallel in terms of being able to kind of explore. Um, my friends have joked and called me orthodox, but I, I thought of this this morning where, you know, I'm definitely not Baal Teshuva. I would say I'm Behalf Teshuva. You know, I'm just. Hey, you're, like, I'm going to tell you what your your title is because this is what my husband says. You are yeah. practicing your Judaism. That's it. Yeah, you're just exactly. living your Judaism. Yeah, I'm. I'm experiencing it. I'm experimenting. I mean, I'm. I'm. Yeah. You know, rapping. I've been rapping to fill in every single day since July of last year. It's been amazing. That's great because Cindy thinks rapping to fill in is really hot <laughs> on the show. Yeah, <laughs> and I would agree. By the way, when I was when I was in Israel. Uh, July of last year with Aish Lit, with Aisha Tora. And, and I started, and I, my friend, part of my journey. Yeah. When I, when I saw them, when I saw them, like my friends, like rapping to film, I was like, you know, that's kind of badass. I got to say, like, it just looks cool. Like it, it like, besides like what it, it's meaning behind it. So I started right. doing it. I was like, I want this to be a part of my everyday life. That trip changed my life. You know, it really, really did. It was, it was pretty great. But you know, at the end of the day, what I'm really doing besides just looking cool, is I'm adding an attention to my day because I'm honestly yep. always every single day yep. taking baby steps in that journey. And that's what makes yep. me feel good. Yeah. That's really what it's about. Living intentional, intentional human. Okay. So my assessment of you just to go back was like, and I don't know you and I, I, I didn't really like heavy research you yet. I've been a little busy. So, yeah, <laughs> so this is really just on my vibe from meeting you and from your email. I watch language. I watch persona but but it's fairly it's fairly like accurate to who you are. Like there's there's a, an element of truth to what I said. Yeah, I, I would say there's a great deal of truth for sure. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say the same thing about somebody else that I just met. Right. Wow. I would be able to give you a, a total assessment about somebody else that wouldn't sound like that. And to me, that's based in intuition and understanding people. And I, and I thought that was normal. I thought everybody could do what I just did. Mm-hmm. And they, they can't do that right. with people they've never met. Like sometimes people don't even open their mouth. It's easier when they open their mouth and you get a flea, just even a minute or 30 seconds. But uh, even just looking at somebody, there's, there's kind of like information that processes in my brain and just, I, I get something about them. They just make sense to me. There is a lot that you can receive by just observing someone. And as a host of a podcast, this is my second podcast that I've ever created. And I have an entire, you know, marketing and podcast company here. So I'm very familiar with how to interview people and how to kind of read and kind of, you know, yeah. feed off of people's energy and whatnot. It's it's very similar. I think that it's it's a great segue into talking about, you know, the concept of today, you know, in your show uh, Jewish matchmaking. I watched all eight episodes. I loved it. You have to watch all eight episodes because if you do want to, if you do, if you watch all eight episodes, Netflix is more likely to create a second season and we can find out if Noah Dreyfus ever meet makes his match. We can also find out if Nikisha also finds her match, you know, there, you know, we need to f- finish the entire show in order for a second season <laughs> to be available. So go check out Netflix's Jewish matchmaking. What I bring to a relationship is I'm very handsome, I'm very intelligent, I have a ton of charisma, but by far my greatest quality is my humility. My name is Aliza Ben Shalom, and I am a matchmaker and dating coach. Welcome. You're gonna save me, right? (laughs) Finding your person is the hardest thing to do in the entire world. 
And that's where I come in. The matchmaking I strictly do with the Jewish community, where I have helped over 200 couples to get to the chuppah. I want them to be obsessed with me. I need passion. Animal lover. Blonde or blue eyes or, you know, bigger mm-hmm, you know what I mean? <laughs> I do feel immense amount of pressure. You're supposed to be married and have children. I'm like the only one in Kansas that is a Jew of my color. As an Orthodox Jewish woman, if you're 28, people make comments, you're such a great girl. How are you still single? Um, all like amazing questions. Well, cheers. The rule of thumb is date them until you hate them. Red flags, boy energy. There were two big red flags. One was that she was a vegan, and one was that she had two cats. Wow. Yeah. I definitely was into him. There was chemistry. How big is his mezuzah? <laughs> I have the hardest job in the world. And if you don't believe me, just try doing it. <laughs>question people are listening for today is are soulmates real and the in the first episode of the show you brought up two important principles that really uh struck me as someone that needs to be on this podcast right the first one yeah. is that you said that there are 15 million jews right now in the world which means that there are 15 million ways to do judaism and to me that spoke that that spoke to me deeply because that's what bad jews about it's really about the individual experience and not letting shame dictate the kind of jew you want to be Right. That's the first thing. But then the other says something else, which is you started to explain the concept of a soulmate and soulmate's kind of a buzzword that I've heard all my life and only started paying attention to from a Jewish perspective. And maybe the last couple of years. Right. right. We hear the word right. beshert all the time. So from the Torah's perspective, is a soulmate even real? For sure. In the Torah perspective, yeah. In the rest of the world, I don't know what they all believe. In Judaism, we, so I like to also say it like this, in the blueprint of creation, the way that the world was made was that there's the world and in it comes you and your soulmate comes into the world. And then we play this big game of where's Waldo to find them. Mm. However, there's other principles to a soulmate. Number one, you can only have one soulmate at a time, okay? How do you make a soulmate? We said it, under the chuppah. In that moment, you break the glass mazel tov, that's your soulmate, okay? A marriage makes a soulmate. In that moment, they're your soulmate. Before that moment, you choose to get married to them. Oh, yay, let's get married. I love you. You love me. We like each other. This is good enough. Yay. That's a potential soulmate. They are only your true soulmate when you get married under the chuppah or when you get married. That's when we bind the souls together because we're not just doing a, a ceremony to, to say mazel tov, you're married. It is a spiritual contract as much as it is a, a contract of this world. And so we are binding body and soul saying you are now one. Okay. Yeah. You look like two human beings in this world. Yep. But you're one. And as one, that's called soulmates. That's when we bind you together. Oh, somebody gets divorced. Okay. You're free neshama. You're a free soul. You can go date again. You can go marry and have another soulmate. So you can have multiple soulmates in a lifetime, but only one soulmate at a time. Wow. Okay. So that's actually very opposite to Greek mythology. I had a little Greek mythology trend when I was when I was younger in high school. And Greek mythology said that when human beings were originally made, we were crafted with clay, and that we came with four arms and two noses and four eyes and two heads. And basically, what they were saying was that 
we were split up and then put on opposite sides of the world. That's not, well, wait, that's not so far from Judaism when we're talking about Adam and, and Eve, Adam and Eve or Adam okay. and Hava, right? right? They do talk about us being formed as one oh. and Hava being removed and being separate. Do you know that whole concept? Yeah, I've never made that connection before. That's a, a okay. fantastic. That's one. where that comes from. So if we're talking about that forearms and legs, whatever, yes, that's that oneness of who we are and were physically. And then we were separated into two physical beings. Right. And the other the other concept, which I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but this is just what the way it is and what I learned. Hit me. You know, Chava is really a complete being, right? She's, you know, separated from uh, Eve, oh, sorry, Ad, she's separated from Adam and, and she's, but she's her own complete being, but, but Adam really has a loss. He has something that's like taken from him. And that's why for a man, it's not good for a man to be alone. He needs to be married. He needs to. It, man was created days of creation, right? The world. Yay. You know, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything, ah, animals. Da, 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 yay. 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 What's the last thing in creation? Man. What comes after man? Woman. Mm -hmm. woman she is the very last thing in the creation and then there's shabbos okay so so he needs her like that's that's a part of his completion because she was taken from him but she is we are we are we ladies are like the most complete beings in this world right. i mean this in the most humble of ways i know it might not come off that way but we're <laughs> the final thing in creation right. and the, really the closest like man is the closest thing to god but woman's even just a little bit closer which is why the way that mitzvot work and the way that we connect to judaism like a man has certain obligations that he has to do to bring himself closer but she is naturally closer because that was she was the final thing in creation she was the closest thing to god fascinating. fascinating yeah i don't know if you've ever heard this sorry if i'm like blowing your mind <laughs> no no no. this is this is why i'm this is why i started the podcast i want my okay, mind good. to be blown right now okay? <laughs> okay, good. Like, like i you know this is this is what i'm looking for so from what you're from what you're saying, so man will always be incomplete. So wh then, why should a woman ever marry if they're already complete? Okay, it's so interesting, right? Who has the desire to get married? Uh, well, they both do, don't they? Uh, yeah, who has it more strongly? Much more Pro strongly. Probably men. To get married? Oh, women. Women do. Okay, <laughs> women do. Okay. God, I think, okay, well, who wants right, to get married right. and have babies and, and who could just date for the rest of their lives, right? Okay. Women, you're right, you're okay. right. right. Yeah, and okay. that's what I'm getting confused at. Okay, so, there we so go. yeah, men okay. want to date around and then women yeah. want to actually get married. Yeah, yeah. so okay. men have this <clears throat> obligation to get married. Like, it's not good for a man to be, al to be alone. He needs to get married to be complete, right? That's your obligation. Why? Because it's not your nature. Woman... It's not your obligation to get married, although for sure there's a mitzvah in building a family and having a life partner and having a soulmate and doing these things in the world together. Yes, but you don't have the obligation like a man does. But instead of having the obligation, I'm going to give you the desire. So you want this more than anything in the world, but you don't have to do it in the same way that a man does. And a man is like, I don't know that I want this, but I got to do this thing. It's not, it's not in my nature, but it's my obligation. So it's, it's interesting, but they're opposite energies that are flowing, but that's also part of the magnetism that, that brings us together and that chemistry and that energy that, that holds us. Fascinating. Okay. So <laughs> you're going to have to let this decompress and like, oh, yeah, I mean, what's happening. You're, you're a fast processor. And at the same time, you're going, 
what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing as well, the challenge is that we have to compress this into the 30 minutes. And so I, I, I have to ask the question. So, so that, I think that's, I think that's really fascinating. And I, I realize now when I was thinking men, I'm really just thinking about myself. I was being a little selfish with my answer because I, I want to get married. But okay, okay. Dude, we, can, we can solve that problem. That's not yeah. a hard thing for us. <laughs> I, I'm in the process of it. Actually. I have this amazing okay. girlfriend right now. Her name's Kelly. Okay. And uh, I, I have a, a really great feeling about her. I'm just going to say it. Okay. I'm just going to say <laughs> it publicly for everyone to hear. I have a really good feeling about her. Shout out to Kelly and her amazing family. So, um, okay. So back to, back to bad Jew here. So what are some of the signs of when some, when you found your soulmate? Okay. My favorite question in the whole world. And this is what I call soulmate clarity. And I have a whole system for this mm. because like I said, I have an intuition, I have an understanding, and I realize that other people don't have the same thing that I have. And I have to explain my thinking and my brain and how I process. So this is called soulmate clarity. So you see this, I have three different um, pie charts here. Okay. And then an overall pie chart in a little bit of the grayed out blue. Okay. So there's, there's ways to understand who your person is, who is your soulmate and who's going to be a good human for you. We deal with your, the qualities that you're looking for. Qualities are what I value about a person and what I, what personality traits, what other things I like. Uh -huh. The second category is fears. What I in general fear about being in a relationship, not with you, but with anybody, this is going to come up because it's all about me. And the last category is what I call bothers. That's what bothers me about you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm dating you and there's something going on here and I don't love everything about you because you're a good human, but like, Hey, you know, I, I can't like everything about you. It's not the best thing in the world. And then overall we have a calculation of what that looks like. The calculation and the pie chart overall will either tell you, wow, this is a really great relationship with outstanding potential. Don't blow it. You don't want to miss your person. Or it will tell you, even if you fixed five of your problems here, you still don't have enough to make this relationship work. It can never work. But here's why. Let me explain to you exactly why, even though you may love this person because you've been dating for long enough, you will never be able to live with them. Even though you want to move ahead, this will not be a successful marriage. This will end in divorce. But here's why. I will show you why. Or the middle of the road, which a majority of people, let's call it 70% of people, are going to end up in this middle of the road, which is, hmm, you have some information. There is potential here. In about another month or two, I'm going to know which way it's going to go. We're going to reassess and we're going to figure it out. But for today, I'm not sure which way it's going to go. It could work if you accept these things about the other person, but it also might not work if there's potential deal breakers and things that are going to prevent you from building a healthy marriage. And you need to explore, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to dig into in your relationship and how you need to look into it. And then you do not show your person this whole chart. It's none of their business because it's irrelevant to them. This is what's going on in your brain. If they had a chart, their chart would look totally different. Maybe it looks similar to yours. Maybe it'd look different. We don't know what's going on in their brain, but this is your experience of you and what you want and how your person matches up to you. And then I give you also Aliza's tools for assessment. You need to be what I call 70% green. Okay. Green is good to go. Green is where we are aligned. And mm -hmm. if we are aligned in over 70% of ways, including qualities, fears, and bothers, meaning the fears that I have, maybe you don't trigger. The things that bother me about you, I could handle, although I don't like them. They're not a red flag or they're not 
a potential deal breaker. If I can handle you, I'm probably going to be able to manage you and me and our relationship for a lifetime. But if I can't and I am highly triggered and I'm not willing to accept it, this is not a relationship I should or could move ahead with. It's going to be a problem. Fascinating. So is 70%, did you get 70% based on like a letter grade idea or like, like passing versus? It's, it, right. So the way that I, the way that I, that I work it out, it's a, it's a baseline, meaning it's the lowest level that I want somebody to be at before moving to marriage, but it's not the level that I would prefer them at. It's just, it. you have to pass 70% because if you don't have that much in common and if there's not enough there to hold it, you'll never be able to hold it for a lifetime. But with 70%, we could make it work as a baseline. Some people are at 80, 85, whatever. And then the rest is acceptable. It's yellow. But the number one thing about these charts, zero orange, zero potential deal breakers. There cannot be a potential deal breaker because it will break mm -hmm. a deal. You don't mm -hmm. get married with any potential deal breakers going, eh, it'll probably change. We'll be okay. No, you won't. You won't be okay. I'm telling you, it's yeah. a problem. Accept who they are, accept who you are, and look at the distance between where you're both at and go, eh, it's not the same. It'll never be the same. I can handle that or I can't. Okay, I'm going to have to pass. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a really nice way. I love how how strategic the approach is here because I think a lot of people kind of uh, will date and just kind of throw their chances to the wind mm -hmm. and just let life take them, and then they'll yeah. find out months later that they made a terrible, terrible mistake that they totally overlooked. I've been there, by the way. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, people make a pros and cons list, <clears throat> but this is like a pros and cons list on steroids. This isn't just <laughs> pros and cons. This is qualities, which is values and personality, fears and bothers. Mm -hmm. It's all the things that make up a relationship and, and make it succeed or fail. So I took every category that's, and, and it's every category that's important to you. What's really important about the system, it is not AI. It is not artificial intelligence. It's YI. It is your intelligence. Ooh. It is what you want. And I don't judge, same way I don't judge people, I don't judge what you want. So when you tell me financial security is really important to you and that goes on your top 10 list, I don't go, well, you don't need that. Poor people get married too. I go, right. oh, okay, financial security is important to you. How does this person match up with that? So I'm not prejudging what you put on your top 10, but I am holding you accountable to saying, I'm going to live by what I said my top 10 is, and I'm going to hold by that. And when I get married, I'm not going to be dissatisfied with the human that I chose because I chose my top 10. Right. Fascinating. So I'm then curious, just backtracking a little bit, because you talked about some of the things that, you know, we personally need to work on, right? I like how you described it. Not AI, UI, YI, right? You intelligence, right? So, yeah, I'm, I coined that. I don't know if anybody else said that, but that's fine. <laughs> it happened right here on Bad Jew. Right here. <laughs> so, so what? What I'm curious about though is if you have these different things to work on, right? And you start to work on these things, and you get better at certain things. Doesn't that change who your soulmate will be? Meaning that, let's say you have your eyes set on someone right now you fix these problems, suddenly that soulmate is going to change? It's totally possible that you will qualify for somebody different and be appropriate for somebody different. There's there's a conflicting concept in Judaism, right? There is this concept of beshert and the one, this ideal match. And at the same time, 
we know you could be married to a bunch of different people and, and at different times in your life. So it doesn't make sense in our brains that both of those things exist simultaneously, but they do. So I do believe there's an ideal match for you, but I do believe as you grow and change, there's a different ideal match for you. And the person you choose to marry becomes that ideal match in that moment when you choose them. God agrees with you and we're all good. Even if it doesn't end up well, if it doesn't, if it ends up in divorce or whatever, they still were your soulmate. They still were the part of your process that you needed, your tikkun, your fixing, your healing in this life. That is still what we needed uh, to be who we needed to be in this world. So even if you get divorced, that person could was was your soulmate for the. If time. you married them, they were your soulmate. The minute you marry somebody, that how do you make soulmate? You get married. You get married. That's how you make a soulmate. Okay. Literally, you have potential soulmates in this world. You choose them, and you go, "I'm yours. You're mine." Under the chuppah, boom, done. Break the glass, Mazel Tov. We became soulmates. You have to complete the mission. Also, have your private time together, and and fully, you know, make uh, make it yeah. happen in this world. And we're and we're just scratching the surface on this on this concept here. But it's yes. the idea of basically this person was meant to be here for me for me to grow for me to learn. Yes, and for me to complete my mission in this world at this time. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. Well, Eliza, it's been it's been a real pleasure to be on this show. Everyone needs to go on Netflix right now. We know that you have Netflix. And if you don't have Netflix, then you go and borrow your, your parents' uh, password. Go on to Netflix right now. Watch all episodes of Jewish Matchmaking. So that way we get a season two. Also, Eliza, if someone is looking for their match right now, what is the best way to contact you? Website. Go to my website, which is marriagemindedmentor.com. We have DIY courses. We have match matchmaker mentors. We have matchmakers. We have online matchmakers, high-end professional matchmakers. We train, by the way, if you want to become a matchmaker, you're listening, watching, you're like, wow, I want to become a matchmaker. We train coaches and matchmakers. We are the hub and the matchmaking central for everything matchmaking. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Aliza, I learned so much on this podcast. I want to thank you again for being on the show and we'll see you next time. Shalom.